0: Hello and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. This week I'm thrilled to have Squid guest on the show. Their debut album, Bright Greenfield, was released this past Friday and simultaneously crowned Rough Trade Album of the Month for May. The Bristol-based Five Pieces particular brand of musicality is always undeniably squid, exhilarating, considered and always, always forward-thinking. Their debut album is, you'll be happy to learn, absolutely no exception. I caught up with Ollie, Arthur and Louis from the band just ahead of release day to chat preparation, style, camaraderie and making an album with Dan Carey plus all the details on their live recording for Record Store Day 2021, the first drop of which is coming up super, super soon, June 12th. Get it in your diaries and we'll see you there. At the time of recording, it is pretty much a month to the day that our UK stores reopened and what a welcome back it has been from you guys. The shops have been absolutely bloody buzzing. Thank you so, so much for all of the incredible support in these first few weeks and for keeping our shop floors a really happy yet safe space to browse we have more good news on the way too as you may have noticed we have started announcing in stores again yes actual in the flesh events are back fingers crossed as of july Um, and you can head online to roughtrade.com slash events for all the latest listings including a trio of in stores from the brilliant snapped ankles who will be celebrating their new album which arrives this summer Like everybody else, I cannot bloody wait to go to a gig again, let alone go to a gig in a record store. So, yeah, bring it on. As always, some fresh Rough Trade Edit highlights to showcase this week. And first up, we have a fantastic new album from the late, great Tony Allen. There Is No End is a collaboration Allen was working on before his death last year, born from a desire to work with younger artists and especially the new generation of rappers. These songs feature a collection of rhythms that guests from Sampa the Great to Tsunami to Danny Brown feature on. Um, The resulting album captures the spirit of Tony Allen really, really wonderfully and is a beautifully cohesive posthumous outing that serves his legacy so, so well. Here is a taster of the track with Sampa the Great. This is Stumbling Down.
1: Let's talk about the science of how things break How the heart breaks How the age founders shatters With no one listening How the mind quakes How we lose all that matters Oh, the music of the bones Music of sage and white stones
0: Next up, and Girl in Red, is the project of Norwegian artist Marie Ulven, dubbed an internet sensation after she rose to prominence, publishing her early singles on SoundCloud. Long-awaited debut album If I Could Make It Go Quiet is inspired by Marie's own trials and tribulations with mental health and sexuality. Her music and her character are equal in their honesty and authenticity. This is a shining indie pop record full of catchy and intelligent songs. It is an album I am so certain will delight her hundreds and thousands of fans and see her gain many, many more. Here is one from the album. This is The Brilliant Girl in Red and Body and Mind.
1: I've been
0: in the deep end since I realized There is a difference between bodies Next, an alpha mist is one of the driving forces behind a young and vibrant scene of UK musicians who have taken on jazz as their musical narrative. With his new album, Bring Backs, the producer, self-taught pianist and rapper takes us on a sonic trip back to his beat-making past on the streets of East London through the depth and musicality he discovered composing and playing jazz. This record has been a really, really big hit with Rough Trade staff and one I am so, so sure will be on many a best of the year list come December. It is such an immersive, engaging, wonderfully woven album of songs that sit so seamlessly alongside each other. Um, If you are a newcomer to the more contemporary jazz sound, I would say let this be your introduction. It is such an effortlessly cool record. Here is one of my favourites. This is Alpha Mist and Organic Rust.
1: Serious face, cause it's really a race Trying to stabilize while my health deteriorates My fever leaves me in a delirious state Now I'm grinding with your fakes Here to replace the cheer me and wait until they hear a mistake. I don't wanna lose my drive, so I'm steering away. Plus, I got a call saying that a period's late. So I'm opening my calendar and clearing the dates. It's fate. I'm just a lot too black to be tattered upper, hunter and gatherer, lunch if you're bad enough.
0: Finally, this week and hailing from Essex, Dodie started out her career uploading songs to YouTube. And then some nine years and millions of views and streams later, she releases her eagerly anticipated debut album, Build a Problem. Her affecting and intimate writing and singing style has seen her gain a huge dedicated audience and this album delivers on all the promise of her early EPs with complex and charming songs drenched in her sweet and sophisticated folk pop. Here is a really, really lovely one from the record. This is Dodie and Rainbow.
2: I was not to be trusted. Well, how can I be proud of what a million people shouted at me? I'm So please step inside my soul I'd love to what you got
0: You'd understand in minutes like and that wraps our edit highlights for this week but there is so much more new music to discover following a few bumper new release weeks in a row um you can head to roughtrade.com or visit us in store to explore all the new albums we are shouting about right now as ever if you are enjoying the show and can spare a few moments to leave a nice review on apple podcasts we would be so so grateful um you can also follow and subscribe on On Spotify, where we have a really nifty little playlist combining the episodes along with the tracks featured in the podcast. I will stick the link in the show notes so that you can hit that up if you so wish. Squid finally graced us with their debut album last Friday, and man, was it worth the wait. Catching up with these guys just ahead of release day was such a lovely treat for me, as like many of you, I've been a fan since 2018 and have been looking forward to this album. For some time now. Uh, to my ears, it does not disappoint. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this interview, and I will catch you in the next one. Squid, welcome to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. Hello. Hi. <laughs>
3: um,
0: I just want to say, first up, a huge congratulations on your debut album. And obviously, we feel it is so fantastic and so fantastic in that we have crowned it our album of the month for May. Yeah, so thank, you very much. thank you. You're welcome. We're so, so excited to have it as our album of the month. I think we've got a Rough Trade exclusive red final edition, I believe it is, which is pretty nifty and selling very fast as we speak. <laughs> um, so the album is dubbed a collection of songs that explore the ever-changing environment we live in. Um, I believe you recorded the album in Bristol last year with producer Dan Carey. Um, no stranger, of course, to working with you guys. He previously worked with you on your Town century Centre EP and some earlier singles. Um, so I'll come back to working with Dan in a little bit. But I first wanted to touch on the period in which this album was recorded. So obviously the last 12 to 14 months have been incredibly disruptive um, for the entire industry. And I guess it's pretty safe to say that the recording process for you guys was probably very different to how you initially envisaged it. Yeah, to
2: some some degree. I mean, uh, it was kind of a crazy time of like, a lot of the things that we were planning on doing for that whole year were just getting cancelled every week. You know, be like like a new thing every week that we were really looking forward to doing that was uh, cancelled. Um, but actually, the album recording, which we had booked in already, um, and was kind of the kind of highlight of our year that we were looking forward to the most of anything, kind of didn't really change it. it um, Obviously, kind of our approaches for the album recording were very different because normally we would have been touring um, and actually instead we had a lot of time apart from each other and then we had a few weeks where we could work together before we started recording it, working really hard on all the album tracks. Um, But actually we were just, we felt so lucky and so happy that um, this like really big one event for the year didn't um, Mm. get stopped. um, Yeah. So, yeah, we feel really, really lucky and really happy that we managed to get it done.
0: Yeah. When it was all kind of unravelling, you know, how kind of big the situation was becoming with the pandemic, was there ever any panic or worry from your side um, that the album wasn't going to be made in the way that you had wanted it to be?
1: I don't think so. I think it, um, yeah, like Anton said, we had quite a lot more time to really finesse the album and I think like the only worry was like when the because it was very early on in the pandemic that we were keeping um, everyone kind of safe and comfortable I guess because Dan, Dan's studio in, in Streatham is in his family house so Mm-hmm. There was kind of like a lot of people to to worry about his his um, his uh, wife and and kids. So there were. It was kind of yeah. It was more kind of things like that that changed the album um, recording. But the actual physical recording of the album was was pretty much the same as it's always been with Dan which was nice because it was kind of like yeah it was like the one thing that, that felt like it didn't change throughout the whole of the pandemic like we, we expected to go in and play on those synthesizers and kind of forget about the pandemic for a little bit yeah that so was nice
0: in that sense did the fact that you had Dan on board and obviously you worked together before did that kind of alleviate any kind of worry in a way because it it was quite familiar like working with him and it was you just felt really comfortable with what you had to do etc
1: yeah definitely like there were moments where it was just you did kind of forget what was going on because you're just kind of in the zone I guess mm. just doing doing what we've done before with Dan it's really nice
0: yeah I um I had Goat Girl on the podcast early in the year whose second record obviously was also produced by Dan and they obviously spoke so wonderfully of working with him and how excited they were to have him on board again for their second record um would you kind of echo that sentiment like was it like very clear from the off when you were planning recording this album that you wanted to work with Dan again?
3: I think so we um we'd worked on on the Sludge and Broadcaster kind of double A-side single earlier on in 2020 and we were kind of toying with the idea of, of, you know, whether it's possible to do an album in the same year. Um, and it kind of became quite clear mm-hmm. when we were doing that, that it was. Um, but we just, yeah, you know, we, we'd always worked with him before, ever since we recorded The Dial with him in like 2018. He's the only person we've, the only producer we've worked with. Um, and it just felt like the right fit. You know, we've got to know him on a personal level so well over the last two or so years. Yeah. Um, and every time we've worked on the project, we've always said, you know, like if this is fun, think of what an album's going to be like. Yeah. So it just, it, there wasn't really too much of a question about it, I suppose. Um, and yeah, the familiarity, like Ollie said, you know, coming into his family home is so, so important. I think it makes up what makes the recording process just such a nice, friendly one. And when we were working with him on Bright Green Field, we'd finish in the evening. And he kind of like knows everyone on his street as well. So he'd get like the pizza guys over from the shop opposite the road to come over with tables and chairs and we'd sit outside and yeah, it just felt like a really kind of uh, sort of friendly bonding experience as well as it was a musical one.
2: Yeah. And not just Dan, but also Lex who um, uh, engineers all of Dan's stuff. Um, he worked on the whole record as well. So, and like, he's just such a nice guy and it's so amazing mm. at his job. and him and Dan have such an incredible working relationship um so yeah he was like an incredibly important person in Mm. um, making this record as well
0: yeah do you think I guess this is the first album you guys have made do you think having that kind of experience and that kind of family orientated kind of vibe to it just made it so much more less daunting in a way like were, were you ever kind of Was there any kind of nerves around recording a debut record? Is there Do you guys grapple with any kind of level of expectation? Obviously, you're now signed to Warp and been building for quite a long time. Do you feel like the fans and even like critics, et cetera, not that you necessarily have to worry about them? Do you feel like there's this expectation from that side that you have to make something like so incredible?
3: I think it was kind of, yeah, the other way around, because the first time we ever went into his studio and recorded was just one single coming out on Speedy Wonderground. We'd never really hung out as a band with Dan before and we didn't know Lex and the whole kind of like, you're in a recording studio now and you're going to play your part and you've got to play it really well because you've only got one track to do. Always seemed a little bit kind of daunting. And then when we did the EP with him, we got to know him so much more. So by the time we're doing a full length album, I think it's kind of, it was flipped on its head. I think maybe in a way we felt the least amount of expectation. Yeah, we, we you know we would grown to know him so well outside of just the recording process. Um, I think the expectation just really came from our, ourselves. You know, like we were trying to attempt a lot more. There were a lot more songs, and I think we pushed our musicianship and musicality in ways that we we really thought we needed to do. Um, so yeah, maybe just the expectation came from us, and and less so with Dan on the album.
0: I guess like your music kind of I never feel that it's fitted into a particular box and kind of since you guys have emerged with those early singles it's been like super fascinating to watch you guys really like grow and experiment. I wondered if there was an idea to kind of maintain quite an kind of abstract outlook from the beginning and were you anyway cautious um, kind of not to conform to any particular style or genre?
1: I think um, yeah, I get kind of echoing what Louis said, saying the expectation is usually from ourselves. I think we're always the we all, we're always very cautious of doing something that's kind of already being done in some ways um so yeah, I think yeah, we're kind of our own worst critics in in some way. If like we yeah if we're writing a song and then someone says oh that sounds like that tiny bit in that other song we kind of just <laughs> immediately go off of it and kind of bin it.
3: That's after a, a two second moment of maybe potential flattery. As well.
1: <laughs> what
0: what is it that you feel about your music and maybe particularly looking obviously ahead to this record coming out. What is it about your music that you think connects with people, um, I guess particularly when you play live, which is obviously when you're kind of in your element and where the music is probably best realized?
2: <laughs> I suppose that's it's not really for us to say. I think what we're trying to do is just have a lot of fun making and performing music um in a way that feels exciting to us at, at every stage. Mm-hmm. Um, like The, the writing's got to be fun, the recording of it's got to be fun, and we, we're performing it in a way that we find exciting as well. And those three things have always got to be kind of... They don't have to be the same, but they have to have like really clear relationships between each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, in a nutshell, what our process is um so i suppose yeah it's just for whoever enjoys it to say why they like that but that's why we, we like doing what we do we do i suppose
0: yeah. does it kind of surprise you sometimes how the momentum is kind of gone and that you kind of obviously starting to warp and got a record and could you ever have kind of foreseen that like three four years ago or is yeah. it kind of- it's
2: It's been a bit of a whirlwind yeah it's been been absolutely crazy yeah you have to kind of pinch yourself sometimes I think but um we have yeah kind of talking about last last year um we had so many like mad things planned Mm. you know like places we were going to go um and that we had never even dreamed that we'd ever be able to do I think well I, think, I mean, when, when we first got managers, I think our ambition was to maybe play one or two shows in Europe, um, if if at all possible. Every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and maybe do a UK tour one day. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, last year we were kind of planning tours uh, in, in different continents and um, that felt crazy. But then when everything got cancelled, it felt like... Uh yeah the reality was kicking back into so it kind of like oh, of course we're not going to Japan yeah yeah that was never going to happen <laughs> that was never going to happen <laughs> so um in a way that was easier, to, easier to deal with I suppose yeah um mm. uh yeah but we, we never ever dreamed that anything like this would ever happen it was a long time like after playing music together that we ever considered ourselves a band so like <laughs> um yeah having this kind of momentum feels pretty special mm-hmm. and pretty weird yeah.
0: yeah I guess like you touched on obviously talking about last year and everything that was planned and obviously subsequently everything that has been kind of cancelled or postponed um I was chatting to Black Country New Road at the beginning of the year obviously ahead of their debut record and we kind of spoke about this feeling of community and like even though it was a really tough year, there was a bit of a support network out there. In as much as you're all kind of in the same boat and dealing with the same challenges, Mm. um, obviously in any normal year, you'd have festival appearances, an international tour, like you mentioned, um, and kind of be riding that live circuit with everybody else. Do you feel like the absence of that has made you feel more isolated from your peers in any way? Or would you kind of say that you've, found ways to kind of continue those connections
3: well i think when you talk about community it's so important and we're really lucky that there's five of us in the band and talking to black country i'm sure they'd say the same with seven or eight people on stage um we've kind of talked about and and wondered about how difficult it must be if you are performing you know as a solo act and you haven't yet managed to find you know support from a label or support from managers so you had a whole kind of 2020 of of kind of doing it alone so I think in the grand scheme of things we don't feel like there's been too much of an absence of that from not having been on tour Mm -hmm. because we've had a lot of people around us supporting us throughout the whole year and things I mean on a kind of community level I think we all really miss the important kind of atmosphere of when you are away on tour and you're seeing the same faces and then meeting new ones and then seeing new music and learning from those musicians that you see on a kind of weekly basis that's where I think the kind of biggest absence has been um that kind of intimate um level of inspiration from seeing live shows all the time and making friends Uh, yeah I think in the grand scheme of things we're we're pretty lucky with the five of us
0: yeah yeah definitely rather than it would be, I imagine it's probably been quite tough if you were just a, a solo artist or maybe didn't have, yeah, uh, much of a team around you. Um, and I guess playing live is such a huge part of your identity as a band and kind of how you evolve and kind of grow your music. With the absence of it for such a long period, is there a bit of trepidation about going on stage and kind of performing songs that you either haven't played live much or even maybe at all? to audiences I guess some of the songs in the record you wouldn't have played to anybody mm.
1: um, yeah I think yeah I think it's kind of like a nervous excitement about it because yeah there are a lot of songs from the album that we haven't played and they're quite like a. Uh, not all of them are kind of as as raucous as as some people might remember us so it's kind of It'll be strange going back to playing gigs and then playing these kind of softer kind of songs, I guess. Like um, yeah, like we've been away for a year and we've matured and now we're gonna play slow jams. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um no, I think I think we're all just really excited. And it's kind of also the thing, like people are People have missed gigs so much, they'll, they'll take anything. So we can, we can be as terrible as we want.
3: Do whatever we want, in the perfect position. But we're also playing, like the first tour back is all these small venues kind of off the beaten track around the UK. Um, we're going to places like Falmouth and Bexhill and you know, lots of small communities that I think have been really missing out because where you're kind of like a village or a town, and you don't even have that kind of ability to you know often be able to walk down the road and and be in a place where you feel like you're kind of experiencing you know m- music when it's being performed in like a park or something so yeah. when we when we go on tour i think it's going to be nice for us as well because we're kind of easing back in and these little venues i think some of the capacities because it's socially distance is going to be so tiny so therefore it'll be pretty intimate as well yeah. and hopefully for those people attending in different communities around the UK it will be a really nice experience because yeah there's not always kind of bands that come by those those ends
0: yeah that's such a nice idea actually and I guess probably for most people the focus has been reach as many people in one hit as possible when you're kind of touring against so that's yeah such a nice idea to kind of hit those lesser reached communities and give mm-hmm. them you that's really exciting um You did play, uh, I'm going to bring up Records Store Day because you obviously recorded a live to vinyl session for Records Store Day um, this year, which I think was two tracks um, from the new album. um, One of which was broadcast on Six Music, which was awesome. I listened to it, it was really great. But was it pretty nerve wracking doing that? Like not much room for error sort of thing or did you just kind of go with it? Uh,
2: It was pretty nerve wracking.
1: I was absolutely terrified.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it, yeah I mean it was, it was kind of a quite an unfamiliar unfamiliar environment for us because we were in this kind of like really big very posh studio mm. uh, that felt very professional there was kind of there was uh, like talk of um, really famous music stars knocking about <laughs> in other rooms which was like watch out for Bono," <laughs> <that was it. laughs> <laughs> um so that was that was pretty unfamiliar and then also we were trying out um arrangements that we'd never uh done before which was really cool and the musicians mm. we worked with were, were amazing and and so nice um uh but, but obviously it was kind of like a bit of a challenge for us um mm. uh but then also thrown that it was being cut to vinyl live and also being broadcast live on six music it was kind
3: of and there were just so many clocks everywhere like yeah. when it came to performing <laughs> there was probably about like seven mic stands all with these huge clocks I still don't really know what they were for, yeah. something to do with starting and stopping on time but <laughs> the clocks were adding insult so yeah.
1: I had this moment where we were rehearsing for the thing for the for the broadcast with all the session musicians in a line in front of me and I just had this moment where as soon as I sat down, I thought I've never played music with anyone other than you four in the squid. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, they've all got tubers, they've all got cellos, double bass. <laughs> but they were
3: all so nice as well. Like it was a nice, I think it was quite a nice thing for them because some of the musicians had, you know, been through going... been going through a similar thing to us and we were like what have you been up to over the last six or so months and they were like "Uh, nothing really so like it was really nice for them to be able to to come in and play again and um i think it'd be nice to work with some of them again as well it was um there was just a really nice kind of point where we we were arranging kind of these parts in a way that we'd completely never done before um because we were doing the the brass section and the string section separately. And when it came to kind of putting them all into the same document at first, we were like, oh my God, what what have we done? This is so this is so strange. But when we heard it played by real, real musicians who can play their instrument very well, it suddenly kind of all came together.
0: Yeah. Did it kind of inspire you maybe to yeah, sort of thinking beyond bright green field, like what future might hold and what you guys might kind of do next?
1: Definitely, yeah. Yeah. I think well I I mean I didn't do any of the legwork really with the with the scoring, but I think it kind of made um, us realise that we can we can be more ambitious I guess and kind of we can do stuff like that, which was which is really nice.
0: Mm. How much time did you have to prepare for that? and whose decision or idea was it to kind of make
1: that
3: well when we were recording because it was two tracks from the album we did it was the track 2010 and documentary filmmaker and when we were at dan's last summer recording we were kind of thinking there and then when we were cutting for the album versions like these would be so nice to take them into a world where there's extra musicians and especially 2010 we always thought you know because musically for us it was quite a it was quite a, a sort of pivotal piece of music because we were starting to confuse ourselves in the writing process in a way that we hadn't done before. So we were like, let's confuse ourselves more and, and do some arrangements for strings. So, um, yeah, we, I guess we had a kind of like almost a year to sit on it, but it was only up until about three weeks before we kind of decided we were going to do it and just slowly worked on the ideas. some of Some of the ideas that were in the album version and some that were totally new, and then just kind of I think I had one sleepless night the night before we recorded just being like oh my god I hope the musicians don't hate us for giving giving them bad scores but they were cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I'm really excited for it to come out I'm sure they were not hang around for long I think it's the second um record store day drop that it's coming out isn't it so yeah that's gonna be a real highlight um you mentioned that some of the tracks on Bright Greenfield, you know, the pace is, is slower and not quite, kind of as, maybe as fast as some people have sort of experienced from your previous singles and things. Was that, was it quite important when you were making this record that you wanted to change things up a bit and not kind of continue to make stuff that maybe people would either expect or, you know, that was too similar to stuff that you'd done before? Did you want to go in quite a different direction with some parts of it?
2: I think we were really conscious about the fact that we were writing an album and uh, we wanted it to have like an interesting and clear narrative throughout the whole thing which um, we felt it wouldn't you know it wouldn't have made sense if it was like one thing the whole way through for us and and we're kind of naturally drawn to paradoxes and um, kind of eclecticism anyway So um, yeah, we were quite keen for the album to kind of snake through different feelings and different places. Um, And that that kind of happened quite naturally without us kind of needing to talk about it too much or or, um, uh, make really clear decisions about exactly where things are going to go when. Mm. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Did you have quite a lot of material? Did you have to kind of drop much from the record? Or do you was it kind of quite easy to kind of select what was gonna be part of that three theme as you mentioned?
1: I think we had all the, we didn't have any kind of spare songs or anything. We kind of just wrote all the songs and um, knew that that was gonna be the album. Um, yeah yeah we'd kind of had no no fat to trim really
3: mm. I think that must be yeah
1: kind of never thought about what would have happened if we'd had too
3: much but mm. I we would it be able to feel so kind of attached to the finished thing in the same way because it would feel like if we'd done technically too much if we had an hour and a half's worth of music and had to trim off half an hour it wouldn't be cohesive because the whole point, I think with with us when it comes to writing an album is just every every kind of little thing in its in its right place
2: yeah I, th- I think we sp- spend most of our time like just working rather than like getting a bank of songs and then picking the best ones we had the songs that were going to be on the album and then we just like worked really really hard on all of them individually mm. uh, and as a collective to to kind of there was a lot of I suppose the fat trimming would have been in the individual tracks and getting rid of Mm. sections that we didn't need and things and uh, just making sure that every bit of every song was there for a reason um, Yeah. so uh, yeah I hope we did that
0: yeah. It's something that's always really interested me like how you know what, when an album is finished um, and I guess it's different for every band, for every artist but it um, sounds like you guys have probably got it pretty spot on if you were kind of quite concise with the song that you had etc
1: Yeah I mean there is a there is a, um, a Google Drive folder with so many iPhone recordings of so many different snippets of songs that never made the cut. <laughs> so, and they're all quite, I don't know, there's quite a few bad ones. But all the good ones made the cut, so that's that's nice.
0: Is that something you can get back into like, in the future for just to kind of work through? Or is, would you, moving forward, start completely afresh? from the work that you've done to date
3: things do have a tendency to to crop back up again i think with us but um for the most part we've been quite busy writing since Bright green field got finished um and i think the things that we're mostly excited about are things that have all been totally kind of started in the months after finishing it so yeah really new stuff stuff that kind of feels a bit more current for us yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a few things do crop up again in the future.
0: Nice. Cool. cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Um, obviously, all the best with the record and for this year and getting back out there on tour. Could you pick a track from the album that we could play you guys out with today?
1: Oh, time for the argument. Time for the argument. Um, should we do 2010? Because we talked about the, the record store day recording of it.
2: Let's go sure. in
1: twenty ten, sure.